I reckon we should call our listeners the faces. We're the voices oh, for TV. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. We're the faces for TV. Hello to the faces. Yeah. Hello, our dear faces. <laughs> oh, uh, we'll we'll stick with it for now. But yeah. I I I'm gonna hold on to the right to veto hey, it if, hey, uh, if it gets. If if no one if no one tweets at us or messages us, we'll take it as read that they're fine with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Welcome to Voice for TV. Hello and welcome to Voice for TV. This is a podcast where me, being Luke, and him, being Andy, go away and we research certain topics that we pull out of a hat. Um, and then we come back with our research on those particular topics and try to teach each other things. Yes, we do. What have you got this week? Uh, this week, my topics are film and classic literature. Ah, I had the miscellaneous, the random topic. Yeah, the, the our bonus round. Bonus thing. And the music. Music. So we've got film, we've got classic lit, and we've got music. That's a pretty yeah. solid three categories. Have, that... you, have you got a quiz? I do have a quiz. Oh, thank God. Right, okay, that's fine then. I know, um, <laughs> in the preparation um, for this episode, I did say I was thinking about doing a quiz, and then I thought against it, because... <laughs> and then you did a quiz anyway. And then I did a quiz anyway, because I think it will make good content. <laughs> cool. Right, and it means that the listeners can play along as well. Crack, crack on, yeah, shall we? Yeah, shall we start the show? Start the show <laughs> proper. So, my first topic is film. Yeah! Okay, I'm going to kick off with film. You boy! You like films. I like films, yeah. You, you like bad films. Oh, I love a bad film. Yeah, I, I mean, I do as well. So depends, for, it like, depends on the type of bad. Yeah. There, there, there are, are bad films, films and there, there are bad yeah. films. Usually, like, there is a, you know... A line. Usually there's like some self-referential stuff in the film to let you know they know it's a bad film yeah. and therefore it's okay to enjoy it as a bad film. What is the worst film you've ever seen? I'm not, I'm not I'm talking like bad, bad, not good, bad. Uh, the bad yeah, kind I, of bad. I, I got that. The worst film that I've ever seen. I think I mentioned it in the last podcast. I mean, and I want to preface this before we go any further just saying that obviously art is subjective just because it is you know, your worst film doesn't mean it's not. Doesn't mean it's the worst film. No, no. There, there. I've got a few worst films ever. If you'll allow me. Yeah, go reel them off. Uh, Snakes on a train. <laughs> I mentioned it in the last podcast. So that um, is the spoofer of Snakes spoof. on a plane. It's not a spoof. Oh, okay. So what there, there is or there was. I don't know if it's still a thing. A, a film company that looks at films that are about to be released takes the name, rewords it a bit, makes a really short like version of the film with the new title, and then releases it straight to DVD before the film drops in the cinema. So that when people are walking around uh, a supermarket, right. they see it and they go, oh, that must be that film, that's a, how lucky. Yeah, just capitalising on a name. Yeah, so Snakes on a Train was that. Was that. It's so shit. It's so bad. Uh Turkey Shoot is another one. <laughs> Turkey Shoot. That's a, uh, you know, uh, Hunger Games and Battle Royale. Yeah. And films like that. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. There's a group that are... Yeah, a group hunted. of teenagers yeah. stuck on an island. Last one standing wins. This Turkey Shoot is what my mum calls her least favourite film and the worst film she's ever seen and then showed it to us. And yeah, it's terrible. 
Uh, it's an Australian film where the rich have, I think they're prisoners or something, uh, and they just send them out into the outback and hunt them. And then the prisoners uh, fight back and all yada 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 film. Uh, but, the, but it actually came out before Battle Royale and Hunger Games, and it's basically... Okay. I, I don't know how they took this premise that is so successful and made it so shit. So is, is it supposed to be like a campy horror, or is it supposed to be like no, a legitimate... No, it's, I don't know. Drama, it's action hard, horror. It's hard to tell. It's a ve- I think it's very 70s. Very 70s Yeah, well, that's why I'm asking, movie. because you get... You know, in the 70s, you get a lot of really campy, like... Horror in the seventies, you get some classic. It's not. I don't, I don't think it's horror. It's not a horror film. I don't think it knows what kind of film it is. Right. It's not a drama. <laughs> it might be trying to be an action movie, but there's not much action because it's low budget Australian. And Australia makes some good movies now, like The Babadook. Yeah. Oh, Babadook's amazing. Babadook's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, in the seventies, I don't think they knew what they were doing. But did anybody? No. A lot, a lot of drugs. <laughs> well, like yeah, that. a lot of drugs. <laughs> um, I mean, but I'm going to give you a couple of my worst favourite films before I get into my topic properly, but um, I think Movie 43. Oh, God, fucking hell. Um, I don't think that counts as a film. I was so angry about that. There's so much, like, money and legitimate performers in there. Like, you've got, that, like... They were conned into doing that. Yeah, thing. like, it's... The whole story of the production of it is just marred with really sketchy goings-on. Yeah. Um, but if you haven't seen it, it's like an anthology film. It's loads of short sketch films, basically. But none of them are funny. Like they are trying so desperately, and this this horrible, really juvenile sense of humour. It's trying to be gross out sometimes. I think that film brought to an brought to an end the late two thousand comedy. Yeah. So like the the um, American Pie style comedy that sort of went too yeah, far with it. yeah exactly just took a step too far in so many and like, like all of the different sketches in there have got one joke in them yeah. that's just repeated and thrust into and none of them are funny and it just made me Hugh so Jackman with balls on his chin is quite funny no it's only funny <laughs> because Kate Winslet is such so a good, good actress that she can sell that reaction to it <laughs> <clears throat> But even that just made me so angry because they're like they're two incredible actors completely wasted in this absolute dog shit film. But the other film that actually like it is objectively heinous and terrible, <laughs> but I've got a bit of a soft spot for it, and it's a film called No Retreat, No Surrender. And that sounds like a Seagal movie. It's a martial arts film. Okay, it's not got Seagal in it. It does have. Uh, a very young, very beginning of his career, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. He has no lines. <laughs> um, he is like the thug enforcer. He's like the final boss of the film Amazing. that the protagonist has to beat. But it looks like it's shot by students in the late <laughs> 70s, early 80s. Amazing! Uh, it must be the 80s, actually, because one of the characters in it, the like the mentor character that teaches the protagonist how the to... Miyagi. Yeah. Is the ghost of Bruce Lee? Oh, I've heard about this. Which is a ridiculous premise in itself. Like, yeah. and it's close. Like, it must have been like a few years since he died, but it's still a bit too soon to be acknowledging. Who 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 played him? I have no idea. I don't think he was English. I think no. they dubbed him. Oh um, God! Yeah, and it's just it's so. 
badly made, badly acted. <laughs> and you're never sure if the ghost of Bruce Lee is real or just a figment of this guy's imagination. Right. Because nobody else sees him. He's a bit like the janitor in Squibs. Yeah. Nobody else sees the ghost of Bruce Lee, but he does at one point kick him through a door, so... A ghost kicks someone through a door. Yeah. Right, okay. While somebody else is watching this I mean, to be fair, person if, practice if, martial arts on his own. If any ghost was going to be able to kick you through a door, it, it would be, be Bruce the, Bruce, <laughs> the ghost of Bruce Lee, wouldn't yeah. it? But anyway, um, so my topic is on the worst films ever made. Yeah! Amazing. Worst in which categories? Uh, we're going to, like, each of them are the worst for slightly different reasons. Okay. <laughs> um, but they're all uh, critically... Absolutely panned. Amazing. The first one I want to talk about might be one you've heard of because it pops up on all of the lists of the worst films I've made, usually somewhere near the top. Yeah. Um, it is a horror film from 1966 called Manos, colon, The Hands of Fate. I have not heard of that. Not heard of Manos, The Hands of Fate? No. Wow, okay. You seem so surprised. No, because I, I, I've not seen any of these films on the list, but I've, that's the only one I've heard of. It's the only one I specifically sought out by name. Right. To track down and have a look at. So it's a, a horror film made in 1966. It was written and directed by a man called Harold P. Warren. Uh, the plot follows a family that gets lost on a road trip. Uh, they're on their way on vacation and they stumble across a hidden underground devil-worshipping cult led by the fearsome master and his servant Torgo. Great. Right. right. Uh, carry on. Um... Torgo, if you're wondering, I think is kind of satyr, so he's got like goat legs. That's what I was wondering. What is because I thought Cujo style, like go for a big evil dog kind of thing. But so it holds an impressive 1.9 rating on IMDb. That is impressive. 1.9 and zero percent user review on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, amazing! Amazing. So no, there is critic review on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, okay. So what's the I don't have the viewer. Uh, viewer uh, it's low. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not not good. Not good. So one point nine out of ten on IMDb. Amazing. From people I rating mean, that's, it. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, that is super low. It's like third on its bottom one hundred. <laughs> yeah, and like it's it's just known to be one of the worst films ever made. I've got a couple of examples of like shit you can tell by watching it. They've gone wrong. Like uh, <gasps> early in the beginning, like this family gets pulled uh, lost, and they pull over on the side of the road. Uh, character, I think it's the dad called Mike, gets out, says his line, and then you actually see him mouth the word "cut." <laughs> <laughs> wow! So he's the the director is playing. I don't think so. I think you he's... think the actor's just gone. Fuck this! I've not, <laughs> I've not, I've not nailed that. Let's do that again. And, uh, for some reason, that's the take they use. <laughs> oh, I'd love it if he's the director and the editor. <laughs> um, it, the film opens with an excruciatingly long driving like montage. Oh, apparently, that was supposed to have the opening credits over the top of it, <laughs> but for some reason they're not there. So it's just a really long shot of the car driving. <laughs> So they, they, it was their attempt at doing The Shining. Yeah. Great. Look um, at us, we're being artsy. Except this was made <laughs> way before The Shining. Oh, wow. Oh, so The Shining's a rip-off of this. Yeah. Great. Um, in a scene where the family are attacked by a snake, 
Um, the scene is set at night, but the stock footage of the snake they were using was clearly shot in the middle of the day. Amazing. So it cuts like the snake like jumping at the camera, and then cut to this family being attacked by a snake. Oh, we're being attacked by a snake in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. Uh, and reminds you of snakes on a train. Like the climax is a giant snake eating the train. <laughs> spoiler alert: trains on a snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert: the snakes on a train. <laughs> in case you fancied it. Um, lighting was such an issue because obviously they were filming in the dead of night and this was on a massively tight budget (laughs) Um, it led to some hilarious stuff happening on screen for example there were two policemen who say they need to go and investigate the scene they take two steps away from the camera and then immediately turn back and continue the rest of the scene to conclude their investigation because they couldn't stray too far from the light source right what? They so they go. We need to go and investigate the scene, and, and they then turn around, leave to go and investigate the scene. But they can only take two steps away before they have to turn back. What? Why did what? Dude, what I is going they, on with this? Film? Harold P. Warren, I don't think has worked in the <laughs> film industry since. He's not a good director. I don't think like there were no names attached to this that I recognised. It is the worst film ever made, arguably. I mean, okay, right. I, I haven't seen it, but I would argue the snakes on the train is worse. And I've seen the room. <laughs> I would argue the room is the good kind of bad though. Oh, I'm not. I like reading. I don't think it's self-aware enough. Reading some of the stuff. That people wrote about this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, there was a lot of them going like, I really like bad films. Like, I actively seek out bad films. Oh, yeah. We have, we have yeah, bad we, horror yeah. movie nights. All the time. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people, yeah, I really like, there's a lot of comments saying, yeah, I love bad films. I hated this film. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I think, I think I tried to get you to watch Snakes on a Train. We, we went to a, a, a movie night with a friend of ours, and I brought Snakes on the Train. We made it 20 minutes in, and thought this is too bad for a bad movie night, and put on Pathfinder instead. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that at all. Do you not? I think, I think we watched, you might not have been there then, we, we watched Apocalypse Now, the director's cut. Oh, that is bad though. I'm not a fan of that film, but it's so fucking long. <laughs> it's so long. It's like beautiful, but it's just it's a long yeah. movie. That was a long night. We watched a lot of film. Well, we didn't watch a lot of films. We watched a, a few very long films and 20 minutes of Six on Train. Um, new question. Do you like sports films? Uh, yeah, yeah, have been known to. Don't mind them. What's your favourite sports film? Cool Runnings. Oh, great shout. <laughs> oh, wow, fantastic shout. Yeah, it's got to be. I, yeah, I quite like Coach Carter as a sports film. Coach Carter, great movie. Yeah. Space Jam. Space Jam. That counts. <laughs> Still counts as a sports film. Um, have you ever seen the film United Passions? United Passions, no. no this is a film, it's a relatively recent film, 2015, it was released. Currently sitting at 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Uh, but a 2.1 on IMDb, slightly. That's, not, that's, that's, a, that's better than the yeah. last one. I can't even remember what it was called. Um, written and directed by a guy called Friedrich Orberton. 
Or Burton. Okay. Excuse pronunciation of, of that. I feel like I recognise that um, name, but I don't know whether it's. From I mean, film. it's this has got some big names in it. You got Sam Neill. Fucking hell. You know, uh, famous for Jurassic Park and others. Uh, Tim Roth. Jesus. Famous for uh, Pulp Fiction and others. And Gerard Depardieu. Famous <laughs> for pissing on a on a plane <laughs> on and a plane? forcing it to land. <laughs> If uh, that makes no sense, listen to the previous episode of this podcast. Um, so, uh, I'll, get, I'll read the synopsis on that I pulled from IMDb of this film. A group of passionate mavericks join forces on an ambitious project. Uh, FIFA. What? It follows the passing of the FIFA baton through three associate presidents. Okay. So, Tim Roth is playing Seth Blatter. Oh, shit. I have heard of this film. <laughs> Yeah. I only know, I've only heard of this film because I heard that he was playing Seth Blatter. This is a film about the creation of, of FIFA, the, the football association. Yeah, the football association and the World Cup throughout, you know, the last oh. uh, <laughs> the last few decades and the three association presidents. That wow, with Tim Roth playing Seth Blatter. Uh, we'll get on to why that is hilarious in a moment. <laughs> oh, no, that, that, anyone that's seen a photo of Seth Blatter and a photo of Roth knows why that's hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, one critic, I pulled a little snippet of a critic from Village Voice. Uh, as propaganda, it is as subtle as an anvil to the temple. <laughs> as a drama, it is not merely ham fisted, but pork shouldered, bacon wristed, and sausage elbowed. <laughs> Sausage elbowed! That's my favourite! Um, in its opening weekend, these these stats are so brilliant. Uh, so, uh, it opened on the 5th of June in 2015. Okay. Uh, across 10 theatres across the United States. It grossed in its opening weekend $319. <laughs> Well, I mean, come on. In America, who's the biggest Yeah, who's going to show my football? But like, one of those theatres was in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and on its opening weekend, it grossed in Phoenix $9. One person went one to see it. One person went to see it in Phoenix that's, on its opening that's weekend. That's the one Brit or European person that lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Or just somebody with, like, a film review blog <laughs> goes and sees everything. <laughs> I want to read that review. I want to read one of yeah. the review of the one guy that went to see it in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, but what's amazing is, like, it was released on the 5th of uh, June. Yeah. But if you remember, there was a huge controversy surrounding FIFA in May of that year, like was on the that, 27th was that the, of May, the Qatar World Cup. Yeah, it's thing. just like all this corruption yeah. um, was brought to light, and like loads of people, including Seth Blatter, were arrested on the 27th of May. So this is literally like two weeks wow. after all of that. This film was released, so they, like it was a matter of weeks when the corruption was known about to when this film was released. Fucking hell! As a you know a huge piece of propaganda to try and win some public faith back into FIFA. <laughs> so did FIFA pay for parts of the film? Did they 
Were they involved in the Yeah, it had a $19 million budget. FIFA paid for $16 million. Wow. Holy shit. That's really bad timing. (laughs) (laughs) And I think... I I don't know if this film was a direct response to what the the shit that was about to hit the fan. Or if they they were planning it. Yeah. So they went, shit is going wrong. We need to... We need need to... We need some propaganda on our side of stuff. (laughs) Which imagine is like being, by the why it's such a badly made film because it was so rushed. Imagine being the distribution for that movie. Imagine being that company going, uh, well, we've got it set for this release date. Uh, they've just been arrested. Do we move the release date or just pull it? And they always went, oh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> they've already paid for it. Don't worry about them. <laughs> uh, Tim Roth in a, a Reddit uh, ask me anything at AMA. Uh, he absolutely tore it apart. Like someone asked him about the film, he's like, "Oh yeah, it's the worst thing I've ever done in my life." He only did it for the paychecks. He had like two kids in college at the time. He says, "Right," um, and he thought that um, perhaps the film was going to focus a bit more on the corruption side of shit. Yeah, because FIFA are going to pay well, for that. Know he's bankrolling it. That's yeah, fair. Um, <laughs> and then he... he didn't read the script before they were agreeing to it. Wow. Apparently, or he might have done and just decided the paycheck was worth it. But it, yeah, it's an absolute bomb and one of the worst films ever made. Wow. I do have one more film to talk about. Go for it. Is it? Is it the room? It's not the room. Uh, this, we, we already know about the we, room. We, yeah, right? yeah. If you know about bad films, you know about the room. Yeah. yeah um, you might not know about this one unless you are an American. Okay. I am um, not an American. This is even more recent. This is. This was made in 2018. Okay. And, like, the stats on this one are rather surprising. It's called Death of a Nation. Okay. It's got a 4.6 rating on IMDb. So it's not terrible. <laughs> um, it's got an 88%. It's the only one of Bond's look at the user response for on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. It's got 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is really good. That's, yeah, that's really good. But the critic score is zero, like the other two. <laughs> so so audiences love it. it. Well, there's a huge divide. At 4.6 on IMDb, that tells me that some people are rating it really high, other people are absolutely panning it, yeah. and it's like almost directly in the middle. We'll talk about the title in a minute, but Death of a Nation is an obvious reference to another more famous film, which I'll talk about in a moment, because I just want to talk about the guy who made this film. Death of a Nation? Yeah, this is called Death of a Nation. Um, so it's written and directed by a man called um, Dinesh D'Souza. I'd never heard of him until I started researching this film. He is an Indian-American. This is the first sentence on his Wikipedia page. An Indian-American far-right political commentator, provocateur, author, filmmaker, pardoned felon, and conspiracy theorist. Oh my god. So, the exact kind of person you want to be making a film. Yes, yeah. film audiences are always right-wing leaning. Um, so he has a history. Like <laughs> uh, he's, This isn't the first film he's made. Oh, brilliant. And like he writes a book and then makes a documentary about the same topics within that book. He's done it a few times. Right. So he's like a lot of his books are New York Times best-selling author, like bestsellers. I mean, that's not a bad move to be fair. No, he's just capitalizing and he, like yeah. but 
I haven't read or seen any read any of his books or seen any of his films. Um, this on IMDb is described as a docudrama that draws parallels between the dramatic fracturing of the nation over Abraham Lincoln's presidency and the presidency of Donald Trump. Right. So he's commentating, like he's using historical events to comment on current political, on the current political yeah. climate in okay. the United States. I mean, that's. I mean, sure, I mean, as, From, as of this recording. Shit is going down in America. Yeah, I mean, it was going down in 2018 as well. And you know, but he's yeah. come like he's a far. So you can see where this divide in his ranks has come from. He's a far right extremist from the sounds of things. Shit, yeah. So there's people in America who are absolutely loving his message, and people who are absolutely panning it. Um, one crit I found of this said, uh, "Desoza fans and Trump apologists will flock to this." misguided moths to a misleading flame. In that way, it's a perfect representation of the current climate. In every other way, it is a mess. <laughs> you know what You know what brings me faith, though? Only right-wing people will have gone to see this film. Yeah. And 12% of those people didn't rate it highly. <laughs> <laughs> So it did change people's minds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, it, like people in America, I think, will know who De Souza is, and they will have recognised what the film is. Yeah, but it's just like just a glance of the cast list and the people attached. The cast list isn't it a docudrama. It's a docudrama, so they like, there are some dramatised scenes in there. And I say some dramatised scenes because Hitler and Mussolini are both credited characters. <laughs> So I have no idea what's going on in this film. And I don't, I've got no idea what either of those characters... <laughs> well, actually, I do know what, you know, two of the biggest fascist dictators in modern history have got to do with the current political climate in the United States. But why? I don't know what they've got to do with Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Wait, so he's drawing comparisons between Abraham Lincoln and Donald Trump. Yeah, the poster is like... Uh, a split face of Abraham Lincoln and Donald Trump. Wow. I mean, yeah, he was he was a Republican, wasn't he? Lincoln. Uh, possibly. He was part of... It, it was a very... It, this is my point. It, he was part of the Republican Party, but it was a very different Republican Party than it is now. Yeah. And that's basically the only connection. <laughs> it's a long time ago, but they're called the Republicans. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing he's trying to talk about is, you know, there was an actual civil war well, during his presidency. And at the moment, well, yeah, but... the country has never been more divided politically since then. But for different reasons. Yeah, I, uh, mean... I mean, not massively different reasons. So it all comes back to a certain word beginning with R. Well, yeah, but... Which I'm... is actually, what I'm going to go back to the title here, Death of a Nation. Have you heard of the film Birth of a Nation? Uh, I know the name. Okay, it's a really famous film. It's, you know, made... I can't remember when it was made, possibly the 30s. Birth of a Nation. It took huge leaps forward in the way films were made, the way they could tell stories, and the technologies to tell films. Without it, the landscape of the art of filmmaking would be very, very different today. Right. So it's a good film. technically... It's okay. also a propaganda film for the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, wow. So why the hell would you 
like, there's no way he didn't know that making a film called Death of a Nation was, like, that is an obvious homage to Birth of a Nation. You don't want to be lifting, you don't want to be sending people to Birth of a Nation to watch it. Yeah. Which is kind of implied by the name that this is a sequel to. That's ridiculous. So, I mean, I mean, the point here is, like, other than it being, from the sounds of things, a horrible right-wing attack and another piece of art trying to force a huge wedge between the wealthy and the uh, the put-upon, yeah. m- the marginalised, that's what I'm looking for, um, members of a society. It's also a really badly made film. <laughs> what I've so seen. it's controversial as fuck. Yeah, which not, is how he makes his money. Not well critically received, and just badly made. And people who like it are the people who are already part of that message. Yeah, it's not. It's one of those. It's you know, it's everything wrong with modern politics. It's not trying to convince people of anything of your message. It's just pandering to people who are already, already on your part side. Of the problem. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you know. Wow. So those are just three of the worst films ever made. Brilliant. I'm going to see if I can track down a copy of Mano's Hands of Fate. <laughs> I, I, that's the one I, I want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll see if Mum still has Snakes on the Train or <laughs> Turkey Shoot. I think my brother might still have Snakes on the Train. I, I think Mum might actually have Turkey Shoot still. Probably. I mean, he throws away DVDs. <laughs> And no one's going to fucking buy that film. Who buys DVDs anymore? No, I mean, I, I, if if there's a Blu-ray, I might, I might buy it. <laughs> I don't think I've bought a Blu-ray in years. Oh, I've not bought one in years because I only bought them for the films that I actually wanted to like, enjoy. Everything's streamed now, isn't it? Yeah. Who gives a shit? Music. <laughs> <laughs> Music! So, I've just... Uh, I couldn't... Because music is massive. I'm not going to ask what is music, like a different. That's not a thing I'm going to do. But I'm, I've just got a list of, of ten facts. Ten, Ooh, fun. ten things just to do with music. Okay. Uh, there were this, These were drawn from a list of 40. And I thought, that's a bit too many. And then when I started writing them out, I thought, right, I'm getting quite a bit of information on some of these. Uh, so I started nitpicking and getting short bits of information. So they get shorter towards the end. Okay. To... What sort of... Oh, is it like oh, a, a classical music? Pop music? Just all music. All music. Okay, yeah. this is Just very, facts, very... facts about music, about the musical industry, about anything to do with... Anything with the word music in it is included in the list, basically. Uh, so number one, musicians have shorter lifespans than the general population. That's probably because of all the depressed musicians <laughs> and alcoholics. I mean, they all die at 27, don't they, if they're any good? <laughs> they all die at 27. <laughs> There's a study by a professor at the University of Sydney titled Stairway to Hell, Life and Death in the Pop Music Industry. Right. This was done in 2014, so it didn't count anyone that died in 2016 which was a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
He examined the deaths of artists between 1950 and June 2014. I assume these are going to be like well-known recording artists in some way, rather than just like the guy who oh, plays yeah. in the book. Y- yes, people, like recording artists that have had records sell. Uh, and looking at uh, a proportion of suicides, homicides, and accidental deaths, grouping them by age, sex, and decade it happened in. Right. And then comparing it to the general US population of that time, of those ages. Sure. Have you any idea of how many years shorter a musician's life is than the general population of the United States? I, I mean, I would say it's probably, like, shockingly short, but then Keith Richards is probably keeping that <laughs> average up. <laughs> uh, it's... Uh, the average musician in the United States, I should say, it's a, a US, based on the US population, is 25 years shorter wow. than the general population. Wow. Ridiculous. Unbelievable. Imagine that. Wow. So you... <laughs> Don't become a musician in the US. And you'll live a quarter of a century <laughs> longer. So yeah. I take it it's just down to lifestyle. Uh, lifestyle, um, mostly. We, we're talking. I mean, obviously, between 1915 and 2014, you've got uh, people being shot. A lot of shootings of musicians, and 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 a lot of suicides of musicians. And I mean, there's got to be a lot about accidental deaths, but yeah, I don't know where how how to I categorize mean, that. That whole rock and roll lifestyle, I can only imagine. Contributed yeah, to some shortened lifespans. Well, maybe not even that. Maybe maybe just your political choices and who you and, and then you yeah. politically outspoken kind of thing. Ridiculous. Twenty five years though. That is so shocked. Like yeah. Okay. In in twenty sixteen, who sold more CDs than Beyonce? What year? What was the year? Twenty sixteen. In twenty sixteen. Yeah. Which artist um, sold more CDs than Beyonce? I don't know. It was probably God. It was sort of like Adele. Did she have an album that year? Uh, Ed Sheeran. This, this person outsold Adele CD sales. Ed Sheeran outsold Ed Sheeran. Okay. Um... It's Mozart. Oh wow! Yeah. In 2016, Mozart sold more CDs than everyone, and here's why. To commemorate the 225th anniversary of his death, lovely, <laughs> a box set of his greatest hits were released. Uh, only certain people buy CDs anymore. An older generation. An older generation. Be... The 2016, people are streaming music. Yeah, I was going to say, CDs. they know this in, it's all in public domain, right? You don't yeah. have to. <laughs> so, so there's an older generation. That. People that have CD players and are listening to Mozart are going to buy the CDs. Uh, also, the box set had 200 CDs in it. Fucking hell! <laughs> he wrote a lot of music. He did. I mean, I know he wrote a lot of music, but you would think you'd whittle it down. <laughs> 200 CDs, and all of which counted towards the total. Right, okay, so it only <laughs> took like a few hundred purchases. <laughs> but we're talking a lot. He, he, won, he outsold by a lot. They like th- when it, I think in the, at the time the article was written. I can't remember when the article was written that I was reading. Uh, there were only four box sets left on Amazon. 
Wow. So it, it sold a lot. A lot of people bought this 200 box set. That's nuts! CD of Mozart. So a lot of people bought it. It sold really well, and there's 200 CDs in each one. Do we know what orchestra was playing it? Because that might have contributed. It no was like idea. a particularly impressive, no. never before heard. No idea. Sydney Philharmonic or whatever. I, I, I said I have some information. Yeah, I don't no, that's right. Like, <laughs> if you want to just go up, find out, and then email Give us. A listen. Um, yeah. Yeah, come on, faces. I mean, that's disappointing for Mozart because he died destitute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he outsold Ed Sheeran <laughs> in 2016. He outsold Beyonce. Beyonce is queen. Uh, number three, some people feel nothing when listening to music. Psychopaths? <laughs> A study at the University of Barcelona found that 5%... You know, Barcelona. It, it's, <laughs> it's pronounced Barcelona if you're a dick. Yeah. Uh, the University of Barcelona found 5% of people feel no emotion, no chills, and no need to tap their feet when listening to music. Oh, what a sorry existence that is. You Imagine see that? that? 5% of people is, is not a massive percentage. And the, this was done on like a, a, a big group of students. Uh, and they're happy students. They're they're still going out, living their lives, enjoying themselves. They just find joy. Well, that's what they other... want you to think. They just find joy Psychos. in other places. They like they enjoy food, like probably more than some people that listen to music. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, I'm not saying that you can't have a a good existence if you don't enjoy music. But music feels to me like such a universal. Oh, it is. I mean, five percent form of expression that. It's so odd that somebody wouldn't enjoy it without... Tapping their feet a bit. Like, just clicking along to a bit of Beyonce. I mean, like, it's used in, like, film constantly as, like... Like, the reason musical theatre is so big is because music is kind of an emotional cheat. It's so... It gets into you so much more than just dialogue does. Yeah. But, yeah, but... but, So, people are different, Luke. People are different. People are weird. (laughs) <laughs> You're weird. I know. Rod Stewart, what did he do? <laughs> <laughs> Rod Stewart, he was the lead Joy, singer of Joy Faces. Do to narrow it down a little? Yeah. yeah lead singer of Faces. <laughs> Shall I narrow it down a bit? He hosted the largest what ever? Um, piss up in a brewery. Largest free concert ever. Oh, a boy. Largest free concert ever. Uh, so there have been loads of free concerts throughout history of music, uh, l- most of which have said, yeah, we had a million attendees, uh, unverified, like, un- like not, unbeni- not been able to actually There wasn't get it. Uh, somebody from Guinness there with a the clipboard. Basically, yeah. So loads, loads of them were unsub- unsub- unsubstantiated, easy for me to say. However, Rod Stewart held a concert on Copacabana Beach. Of course he did. <laughs> on New Year's Eve of 1993, with a representative of Guinness World Records there, and they verified that there were 4.2 million people attending. That is a lot That's of ridiculous. 4.2 million people I went to see verify that. I would go, to be fair. If it was fr- like, what a venue? Kirby Cabana Beach? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Go for it. On and New like, Year's I Eve. I the height of Rod Stewart's fame. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been two. 
(laughs) Would I have counted in the the 4.2 million? Probably not. Uh, Number five. What is the world's catchiest song? Um, Like, like verified. Is it that Peppa Pig wash your hands thing? (laughs) No, no, it's not wash, wash, wash hands, wash and last and cleaned by Peppa Pig. Uh, it's Wannabe by the Spice Girls. Okay, fair enough. And by what metric are they measuring in, catchiness? In 2014, researchers from the Museum of Science and Industry here in the UK uh, released an online test called Hooked on Music. 12,000 people participated. They listened to thousands of clips of music from... Each de- like different decades, starting in the 1940s to the modern period, in 20, obviously 2014. Uh, and the average time it took people to recognise each song is how they okay is how they got it. Uh, so the average to dis- the average time for people to recognise a song is about five seconds. It took people 2.3 seconds to recognise one of the. Like, just play... Just, like, hit play, 2.3 seconds, bow, I know bow, what that is. Bow, 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 bow. It's the most recognisable song. The catchiest song, because you know it immediately. Okay. I mean, I disagree with their scientific method there, but... We're talking... 12,000 people listen to thousands of clips of songs. Like, the opening to thousands of clips. From the 1940s to twenty. 14 and that is the shortest time. like if the average is, know, the average is, the average is 5 seconds it's written it's written to be an earworm yeah. isn't it like a lot of pop music is so it's they've a done their tune. job really really well it's such a massive tune um, I get it uh, that's the, the longest bit of information that I have now it gets shorter because yeah because I can be asked number 6 which country has the most metal bands per capita? Finland. Correct! Yes! <laughs> Do you know who's second? Uh, no, it's probably somebody else, Scandi. Iceland? Ooh. I went for low population rather than Iceland, high Iceland, population of metal bands. Iceland were fourth. I don't have their number, but I know they were fourth. Okay, uh, Norway. Uh, Norway and Sweden were joint second. Ridiculousness. Uh, do you want to know how many metal bands per capita? But yeah. Per 100,000 people? Yes. Finland has 53 and a half. 53 and a half metal bands per 100,000 people? Yes. Uh, and then joint second, uh, Sweden and Norway with 27.2. So that's a lot more. There's a in- lot of metal bands. <laughs> yeah, for people who are considered to be quite chill, maybe they're onto something here. For, for context, the UK has 5.2. <laughs> Per 100,000 people. I mean, I was going to say we metal isn't big here, but it kind of arguably was invented here. <laughs> Ridiculousness. Uh, number seven. Uh, this, this isn't a question. Chris Hadfield, hero. Sure. Canadian spaceman, basically, uh, recorded his 11 original songs for his first album, Space Sessions, Songs from a Tin Can, while spending 144 days in space. Absolutely. So he, he recorded an entire album He recorded an entire original album in space. That's fucking cool. <laughs> His first album. 
his own, I, I think, I'm not sure if it's his only album, but like his first album recorded in space. Unbelievable. Uh, the British Navy use whose songs to scare Somali pirates? Oh, I think I knew this. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to get it. I think I might have heard of this. Britney though. Spears. Yeah. Yeah, they played Britney Spears tracks to dissuade Somali pirates because apparently they have a massive dislike of Western culture and won't attack you if you're just blaring it out. <laughs> Britney Spears is apparently the one way to, to get rid of them. Oh. Number Why nine, yeah. none of the Beatles could read or write music. Huh. None of them knew how to do it. I mean, I can Paul now, or did he, has he just not learned uh, to learn? He doesn't need to learn. doesn't need to. doesn't need to, does he? That none of them could read or write music, so they didn't bother. They just recorded themselves, and then, yeah, that's that's what we'll do. Which is amazing. Another, another Beatles thing, I don't know if this is true or not. I think it was for... Oh, which album was uh, uh, We Are the Walrus? What, what, what album was that on? And Lucy in the Sky Diamonds, all that, like, that the druggy. Yeah, the weird the, stuff. The weird stuff. Apparently, they, just, they went away for like a week or so, took a shitload of LSD and, and, and drank and drugs and all of that stuff, uh, and wrote, wrote that album. Whatever they could remember afterwards. That's what went on the That's album. That's what <laughs> They couldn't remember it. It wasn't worth it. Uh, there's so many... Beatles theories. Yeah, theories. That's completely unsubstantiated. Most of them around that period of their creative. <laughs> uh, number 10, the final one, my last one. Uh, in 2011, the Lady Blunt... That's uh, uh, the Lady Blunt Stradivarius Violin. Okay. Became the most expensive instrument sold. How much for? Well, it's the Stradivarius. So if it's like, a, like I know they are stu- like you're talking hundreds of thousands, if yeah. not millions, right. for something uh, like that. So it's the most expensive instrument ever bought or sold. How much? Um, In 2011, it's called Lady Blunt. <laughs> That's why I keep saying it, Lady Blunt. I'm gonna go with like 1.2 million. That's that's a that's a substantial amount of money. Yeah. Do you want to rect? Do you want, do you want to change your answer? Do I need to go higher or lower? I'm not going to tell you. No, what? no, I'm going to stay where I am. Yes. And I'm okay, fifteen point nine million. Fifteen point nine, basically sixteen million, basically twenty million. <laughs> I mean, as soon as you get to that point, who gives a fuck? That's wow, ridiculous. That is a lot. Of, ooh, ooh, I wonder if that person has like played it. Fuck no. <laughs> of course they haven't. My God. I've got my guitar, my acoustic guitar upstairs, 30 quid. <laughs> for context. And it came with a case. <laughs> <laughs> I think they probably threw in a case for 15.9 million. That was the, that was the point nine. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's all I've got for music. That's all I've got. Oof. Oh, that's, oh. that's fun. Thoughts? Questions? I don't have the answers, but you can ask. There's some shocking stuff in there. Ridiculous. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, I don't know which one was my favourite fact. They were all very, uh, I very think, good. I think, I think my favourite is the Chris Hadfield one. Recording one recording, in space. Recording an album in space. Well, like about that is like, well, I can't be the first person. I'm not going to be the first person in space. I can't be the first person on the moon. We're not ready to get to Mars. What famous... Like, oh God, someone's even played golf in space. I know what I can do. <laughs> I'll record an album. <laughs> 
<laughs> all original songs as well, yeah, which I like. 11 original songs, all recorded in space. <laughs> what a hero! Let's move on to classic literature. Whoop, whoop! Now, are we talking Shakespeare? No. Okay. I haven't actually, for the first time since I've had classic literature. <laughs> um, yeah, Shakespeare doesn't make an appearance once. Oh, wow. So, Look at you, that's growth. I uh, yeah. You've actually got some character growth on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's a quiz. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fail. Yeah, I'm not expecting <laughs> you to do well. Great. There, there are ten questions. What do I need to pass? Um, what I'm do gonna... I need? What not? Not what is a pass? What does Andy need to pass? I'm, I'm gonna say five. I oh. think you can get five. You think I can, or you hope I can? I think you can. I'm, you might have high expectations. <laughs> like one. You might is... have great expectations. You might say <laughs> extra point, oh. bonus point. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Please. Um, like one, one is a certainty. Okay. I'm assuming that's a Harry Potter question. Three is, like, you should be able to get three. If not, you need to study. Okay. Uh, 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 that's that's my benchmark then. Five, <laughs> five, you could get. Okay. You just gotta engage brain. Oh God, that's not something I'm good um, at. Listeners, faces, please tweet us with your scores. Faces. And let Andy know exactly which areas of literature he needs to be reading now. Or just just tweet us. So these aren't necessarily questions. They are famous lines written oh. in literature. Oh, God. And not just any line. These are the opening lines of famous works of classic oh, literature. Oh, no. So I'm going to read you the opening line, and you tell me the book. Okay. Oh, God. I don't want the title. I don't need the author, but I want the title. I mean, you could be asking for anything. <laughs> you, could, yeah, you could be asking for the publisher, and so we won't get it. Number one. It is a tr- I mean, they. you will have heard of all of the books. This is Pride and Prejudice, I'm telling you now. You would have heard of all of the books. <laughs> Number one, it is a truth universally acknowledged <laughs> that a single man in possession of good fortune must be in want of a wife. Yeah, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, well done. The only reason I know that is because I bought Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's basically the same line, but with something about zombies after it. Well, that, was, that wasn't what I was expecting you to get, to be honest. And particularly from It Is A. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It Is A Truth. I was like, yeah, I know what that one is. Number two. Call Me Ishmael. That's Moby Dick. Yeah. Maybe I've pitched this a little too easy. Could have been could have been much harder for you. <laughs> Number three. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Oh, God. Uh, I, I, I recognise it. It was the best times and the worst of times. It's a very famous opening line from a very famous book. Is this Great Expectations? No. But is it Dickens? It's Dickens. Yeah, is it Taylor Two Cities? It's Taylor Two Cities. <sighs> but I'm not going to give it to you. Uh, half you say a great point. expectations. Half a point. I knew it was Dickens. You was Dickens. You're you're almost there, but only because I've I'm going to be harsh because five is not a lot to get out of ten. So 
It is. It's half. <laughs> Number four. It was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking thirteen. Oh, that is that. Um... Oh, it was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking thirteen. Yeah, sounds like it could be something out of um, Alice in Wonderland. Or Alice in the Looking Glass. Is that your answer? Sure. It's not. It is George Orwell's 1984. Oh, okay. But, you know, good good bit of lateral thinking there. Number five. All happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. Oh, I've not got a fucking clue. You've not heard that? That's a very famous quote. No, I've never heard. From Anna Karenina. By Leo Tolstoy. Oh, okay. No. Nope. <laughs> Number six. Number six. Come all, on, Andy. All children except one grow up. Is that Peter Pan? That is Peter Pan. Yes. Do you know who wrote it? Uh, Lewis Carroll? No, it's Jane Barry. Oh, Barry. Shit, no, Lewis Carroll was uh, Looking Glass. I was just, um, um, yeah, shit. Number seven. Last night I dreamt I went to Mandalay again. Oh God, I know this one. Yeah, you should, you should know them all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Daphne Devorio. I only know that because I watched it quite recently. The, oh, the, the Netflix the adaptation. Netflix adaptation. Yeah, I thought it was all right. That. Yeah, it's good. Number eight. Far out in the uncharted backwaters. Of the unfashionable end of the western spiral arm of the galaxy lies a small, unregarded yellow sun. <laughs> I know this one. This is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah! Douglas Adams! Yeah, I fucking love Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah, great, great book. <laughs> uh, that's your five. Oh, I fucking nailed it then. Right, so we'll stop there, two more. Can we? we stop there? <laughs> Number nine. There was no possibility of taking a walk that day. There was what? There was no possibility of taking a walk that day. Oh, God. No idea. Um, there was no possibility of taking a walk. I don't know why I'm looking at our, our bookcase. We're not going to have that on it. Um, no, I don't think we do. No, don't know. Don't know. It's Jane Eyre. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I was never going to get that. Okay, number ten. So you've got your five. I'm happy. I'm happy I've got five. What do I win? What do we usually win? Uh, uh, beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you... Number ten. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four. Hey! <laughs> we're proud to say that they were perfectly, perfectly normal. normal. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, um, I couldn't find the... Name of the author for that one, weirdly. It's oh, just, um, it, ah, no cares. one knows who wrote that. Probably, probably they don't exist. Important. Yeah. yeah. Well done, you got six out of ten. Yeah, fucking nailed that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mean, expect to. I mean, I, I knew there'd be a Harry Potter one. Obviously, yeah. gonna, I'm not going to do a literature round and not put Harry Potter in for you. But I, I? Did, I did get a little bit nervous uh, because there are seven of those books. And. <laughs> 
That's the only opening line that I know. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the famous one. I, I tried to picture, you know, easy enough. You might not know to. the books, but you'll probably have heard the quotes, or you'll have definitely heard of the author or the title of the book. So you can I mean, just I, knew, I know, make a stab all, in I know the all of the books. I've not exactly. read all of those books, obviously, because I didn't get ten out of ten of the opening lines. But yeah. Cool. Yeah, nice. That was a good quiz. I enjoyed that. Good. Uh, tweet us and let us know how you did. Yeah, yeah. At Voice for TV. Now, the, at the top of this page, it says quiz. <laughs> uh, it's it's not it's not really a quiz. I mean, I'm going to ask you a question every time. There's only five. It's not really a quiz. Okay, so I can't win anything then. No, no, oh, boo. No. I mean, if you get all five, you're not. It's basically impossible to win this quiz. It's not a quiz, is what I'm saying. Um, uh, what's the unluckiest number? Uh, superstition would say thirteen. Uh, that's the answer to number one. So in the UK and the US, thirteen is the unluckiest number. Yeah. Why? Do you know why? Um, you know what? I don't. Uh, there's there a couple of reasons actually. Um, the, the the reason that I'm doing this is because this is the thirteenth episode. Oh, for for context, this is episode <laughs> thirteen of of this podcast. Look at us making yeah. into and it's well into double digits. Considered a, an unlucky number in the UK and the US and, and 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 a few other places, but that's this is basically the place where it is. Uh, it's unlucky because twelve is considered a complete number. Yeah, I mean, so there's got, 12 months, there's 12 hours. It, you've got months, hours, you've got the apostles, signs of the zodiac. Yeah. All 12, there's 12. 12 is, is a round and it's a positive number. 13 is odd. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird number. That's why 13 is... This isn't going to be, like, the strongest, the strongest thing. Just thought we could, like... What's your what's your most unlucky number? What's your lucky number if you have one? If you believe in any of that shit, I, I'm not particularly superstitious. I've never had a, a lucky number. Hmm. I I decided a long time ago that 13 would be my lucky number. This explains a lot about you. Yeah. I was I was born 13 days late. That's quite late. Yeah, hence the massive head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number two, because that was question number one. UK US. What's the unluckiest number? Sure. Number two, what's the unluckiest number in China? I feel like you should know this one. I think I, I've got an inkling. Is it eight? Eight is very lucky. Eight is a lucky oh, okay. number. Yeah, hence, like, uh, the, yeah, eight, 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 uh, it's number four. In Chinese, the pronunciation of the number four is similar to the word for death. Yeah, I'd say I knew that. Yeah, I, I was gonna, I was gonna have a similar explanation ready for if I got <laughs> the question right. <laughs> you got it right. Many buildings skip the fourth floor. Yeah, like, yeah. So, so in, free to in, in the US, they skip the thirteenth floor quite often, so they go straight to fourteen. In the UK, uh, if you're on a street. A lot of times there won't be a number 13 house, which is bizarre. To, I don't get it. I don't get it. But sure, why not? Not every road, some roads. It's mad that like a superstition can infect infrastructure. Yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> I don't get it. 
Uh, number three, Japan. What's the unlucky number in Japan? I don't know. Number nine. Okay. Apparently. Uh, for the similar reasons for China's being number four. Uh, okay, sounds the like The pronunciation that. of number nine in Japan is similar to the word for torture or suffering. Right. So so they deem it unlucky. Sorry, I'd like to count to ten oh, really? in Japanese. Nissan, Chico, Rocky, Nanachi, Q. Cool. So it sounds like the word that they yeah. have for, for torture or suffering. Uh, what's the um, this this one surprised me? Uh, what's the unlucky number in Italy? Because I thought it would be. Oh, that's a I Western, thought it would be thirteen. Yeah, it's not thirteen. It's also where a lot of our you know religion culture. and therefore culture has kind of come yeah. from. It's not 13. It's not 13. Is it 11? Uh, it's not 11. No. It's in It's in the teens. It's, 19. It's 17. Okay. I would have got there eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you let me guess. <laughs> Go off. So between 13 and 19. <laughs> uh, so if you rearrange the Roman numerals for 17, which is XVII. Sure. If you rearrange them, you can create the word Vixi, V-I-X-I which translates from Latin to mean my life is over. Okay, that is very convoluted to get to... To get to that point. So apparently 17 is unlucky in Italy for that reason. Apparently... Fine. (laughs) I mean, there's got to be other numbers that you could make with those four Roman numerals. That you could rearrange to make that and make it unlucky. I mean, try. I don't think there is. Do you not? Well, um, if, if, if there's next, it's got to be ten or more. Yeah. And if it's five, X. You can't put V or I before X, and let you can put I before X, but it'd have to be seven, eight, and you couldn't have the V there as well. I don't know Roman numerals or how they work. So fine. So I seventeen. Think, yeah, I think, so 17 you is can't. the only number that I could spell out that word? Yeah, I think so. Well, 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 there you go then. My life is over is the number 17, apparently. That's still quite convoluted, though, to the yeah, to, anagram of... Yeah, the anagram of the Roman numerals. Yeah. <laughs> is a Latin, Latin word, yeah. <laughs> uh, Afghanistan. This is the last one. This is number five. What's the unlucky number in Afghanistan? Is it 50? Because that's the amount of American states... Uh, that's not bad reasoning. No, it's not. It's not fifty. Uh, it's another translation pronunciation one. Okay. So it's nothing to do with America or anything like that. If you had another guess, like between one and fifty, you're not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. That's that's a so huge just, ballpark just, to get. Like, close your eyes and just 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 picture numbers and then thirty-two. Uh, oh, 39. <laughs> That was way closer than I thought you were going to get. Yeah. Uh, 39 uh, roughly translates... It, it roughly sounds like uh, Mordegal. Okay. Which is the the Afghan for dead cow. Right. Interesting. Uh, it, it's a slang term for someone that uses sex workers. Oh! And and that's... It's unlucky. So if you've got... Apparently if you've got 39 and you get a license plate, people won't talk to you they won't they'll turn around and walk the other direction basically they'll get out of your way basically in Afghanistan 
Unless they're a sex worker, then unless they're a sex worker. So you don't have an unlucky number or a lucky number? or No, not one for superstition, really. So no numbers in your life that have seemed to reoccur? Because or... occasionally I'll look at my watch or look at the time in the morning or in the evening. And it's bizarre the number of times that I look at a clock and it says 9-11. It's crazy how often that happens. Um, I mean, there'll be some sort of psychological explanation that you'll oh, yeah. just be noticing I'll that. Be, I'll only be noticing it because you'll be it noticing comes the up. pattern, yeah. But, but it's crazy how often that happens. Um, but it's not necessary. <laughs> it wouldn't be a pattern if you weren't looking for it. Oh, yeah. As soon as I've noticed it the first time, I'm going, oh, that's... That's a thing. That's weird, yeah. That's and odd. you know, you've got a certain association with that number. With that number. <clears throat> and now, every time I notice, I go, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. 9-11. But if you actually, you know, looked at your watch and then wrote down all of the times... It won't be, a, yeah, yeah. 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 But it's just bizarre that that's a thing. Are there any numbers like that in your life? Not that I can think of, unless you... That you no, got no, to I'm think, not, I'm no. not. I'm, this isn't a quiz question. I don't have the answer. Only you have the answer. No, um, I mean I know people who do have lucky numbers. People yeah, like lottery numbers is another one. I don't. I've never really played the lottery. Yeah. Um, but if I did, I'd feel like I'd just get a lucky dip every time. I wouldn't have like a set series of numbers. Yeah, I don't have. I don't have that kind of association. Um, uh, my mum has the number twenty-three. Is a, is is a thing? So it comes up quite a lot. She, I think she grew up in the number twenty-three house. Okay. Uh, my brother and his 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 sis, um, my sister-in-law, his his wife, own. Uh, I think it's thirty-two. Own a house, the number thirty-two. I mean, it's. I've looked. Two, I've but... looked at a house that. I looked at a flat that has the number twenty-three. Oh, I once looked at yeah, seven but, but, pigeons. But, but it's but it's just like a reoccurring number that mum notices. It's not a lucky number, I don't think. It's just a, a number she notices whenever it comes up. No, no I mean, uh, culturally, the number seven, I think, appears quite a lot in <coughs> literature and stuff. Yeah. Seven, well, seven, well, seven, you, seven if, and all that. If you go up, to, so, if you go up to a random number. you go up to a random person and say, think of a number between one and ten, chances yeah. are they're more likely to pick seven than anything else. Yeah. Which is weird. Because <laughs> it's not in the middle. It's not the highest number. It's not the lowest number. You don't want to pick a low number because you'll seem weak. So you pick a sort of semi-high number. David Beckham played number seven when I was a big United fan. Yeah, cool. So I think my brother's um, favourite number is number 11 because that was Ryan Giggs' number. (laughs) Ryan Giggs. Um, He's a bit... Now. I mean, back then as well, probably. (laughs) Just no one knew. Yeah, he had a pretty squeaky reputation for like his entire career. Well, for most until like a few years ago. Well, yeah, after he retired. <laughs> oh God, Brian Giggs. He was one of my favourites, actually. Yeah, yeah. He's a very good player. I saw him at uh, Stockport train station once. Oh really? That's cool. He's taller than you think. I uh, I thought he was quite tall. Was he taller than that? Yeah, he's taller oh. than me. Really? Yeah. Ryan Giggs is taller than you. He's Welsh, isn't he? <laughs> I don't know why that was. That would pertain to his height, but yeah. But that's yeah, that's all I've got. Numbers, numbers. And... I mean, that is really fascinating. Um, 
different cultures, different numbers, different reasons why. Well, and I mean, yeah, and all the different reasons why. I mean, uh, but a lot of the time, there was the same reason, it being close to the word for that number, being close to the pronunciation of uh, the another word, word that had other yeah. connotations to it. Yeah. Uh, which is fascinating. It's not something that came over here. But the idea of there being a lucky number seems to be fairly universal. Yeah. Which is interesting. It seems to be lucky. I, I, I did try and find other lucky number things, but there was so different, like, so many variants and variables. And I mean, Friday the 13th. Yeah. Is a thing. Don't I don't know, know where it, that came from. don't know where it came from. Apparently, um, <clears throat> it's... Oh, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was 2016. There were three occurrences. Oh, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. I think it was 2016. I can't remember. I did that explains a lot. But but that won't happen again until 2026. There won't be three occurrences of it. Oh, buckle down for 2026. Yeah. Corona funnily, 20. Funnily enough, this month has Friday the 13th. Well, November does. Yeah. November 2020, Friday the 13th. Do you know how you work it out? If the first of a month is a Sunday. Yeah, that makes sense. That's not really working out, that's just... Well, I know, but if... Taking note two weeks before. As soon as as there's a Sunday, it's the first, I go, oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've had one bad Friday the 13th. Did last month have a Friday the 13th? I don't know. How many have there been... Oh my god, as of recording, it is tomorrow, Friday yeah. the 13th. <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't have Friday the 13th. <clears throat> yeah, so but I it was October, know. so it was the spooky month. And it also had a blue moon. Oh shit. That's weird. Yeah, on Halloween night. Fucking cool. There has been. There was one in March of this year. Okay, so we've had two, or we're going to have well, two. We, as of tomorrow, we will have had two. Friday not that I give a shit, because as I said, I'm not that superstitious. Yeah. Just yeah, fun. I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I, I remember my bad Friday the Thirteenth. I went. I went to school. I forgot to put my tie on, and just everything went wrong from there. <laughs> I got to school. I got. And he never forgot his tie again. I never, never forgot my tie again. Like it, literally, everything went wrong that day. Everything went wrong. I was just bad. Like bad homework. Bad classes. Just everything went badly, badly wrong. I think I spilt shit down me. <laughs> it's just a day, though, mate. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. It was just a bad. It just happened to be a bad day, and just happened to be on the Friday the Thirteenth. <clears throat> I think that's when I decided that it was going to be my lucky number, number thirteen. <laughs> that that was the day I went. Fuck this. I, that, that's actually something really powerful. There, I was going to say, like it, psychologically, if you yeah, have that in your head, if, if it's a bad day, it might, you know, it's probably just your outlook on the day. Yeah. That is causing it to be bad. So if you flip that, so I said, "No, I'm not going to have a bad day anymore. <laughs> this is now my lucky day." Every time this but happens, then, I'm going to have fun. But then all of a sudden, you start noticing things yeah. that are good that happen to you: finding a coin on the street, or cool, yeah, yeah. Weird. Weird. Shall we get the fez? Oh, fine. Oh. oh, is it that time of the podcast? Oh, God. Right, I've got the miscellaneous. You've got miscellaneous. The next week. Missing? From from in here. Come on, over there. I've got the... I don't think so, no. Cool, just get the, get the foley. Mm. The traditional foley. 
so I get two, don't I? You get the two. I'm going to take. No, I'm not going to take that one. Ooh, oh, then I don't want this one. <laughs> oh shit! No, oh, just, that one felt like one we'd already had. So. Oh, that one didn't feel like anything. It felt like paper. Go with that. I'm going to go with. Oh, that. That's a bit of a good mix. Uh, I've got children's lit. I've got drink. Oh, amazing! I love when you get drink. I mean, the first time I did, anyway. And I've got Andy. <laughs> <laughs> So you get to do one on your... On myself. On your very self. I'll guess which the quiz is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, how well do you know me? Better start taking notes. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, well, thanks for listening to Voice for TV. Hang on, hang on. Oh, what? So what have we learned? Oh, for fuck's sake. This weekend, eh? Oh, this is your thing. You've added this to the podcast. <laughs> You've got to do a plenary at the end of your though. class. What have we learned? Um, we've learned that uh, 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 Rod Stewart had 4.2 million people show up to Cabana Beach. What a great event that would have been. That would have been so good. New Year's Eve, getting absolutely wasted with 4 million people. Uh, we've learnt that you are going to struggle to find an apartment on the fourth floor in China. <laughs> yeah, or the 13th in America. And we've learned that Andy needs to read 1984 by George Orwell. <laughs> I've seen the film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's three things. What was the other thing? What was, uh, music. Oh, no, we did the music. Film. 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 What did we learn from film? We learned. You film. We learned. <laughs> The film can be a really powerful art form. Or really shit. In, uh, and, you know, a great piece of propaganda if handled correctly. <laughs> or it could be a great piece of propaganda that really hits the market it's trying to hit. Yeah. Even if it's bad. <laughs> oh, God. And now can I say it? Can I yeah, say now it? you can say it. Thank you for listening to Voice for TV. Thank you indeed for listening to Voice for TV. Oh. Please tweet us, Instagram us. Yeah, at Voice for TV everywhere. I'm, I'm going to say this in a bit anyway. They'll, they'll hear it with some Oh, oh of course, yeah, you've got your yeah, amazing music. Yeah. I've got it, so... My apologies. Yeah, uh, yeah cool. Sweet. Bye-bye! Bye. <laughs> listening to voice for tv if you would like to follow us on social media we are at voice for tv everywhere literally everywhere it's amazing if you want to send us an email you can email us at voice for tv at gmail.com send us a story send us a uh, something interesting that you know that we might not we just like learning things so teach us please I have been and remain to be Andy Cantalon. You can find me on Twitter at Andy underscore Cantalon or on Instagram at Andy Cantalon. If you want to get in contact with Luke, get your fanciest piece of clothing out of your wardrobe and a piece of chalk and just write on the back of it, write your message on the back of that piece of clothing and he'll, he'll get the message. Thank you to Jack Smith for the music and thank you to Jenny Brown for the artwork. And thank you guys for, for, for listening. Um, you know, just keep uh, keep on doing that. Bye bye. I don't like it when it goes dark early. No, I was planning to go for a run today, but never mind. I mean, you can. You can go for a run. Take you. You got a torch. Take your torch. <laughs>
Just go go for a fucking run, you lazy bastard. You can fuck off. I I, I work five days a week. <laughs> When's the last time you did any actual exercise? At work. I've got a lift about a ton of fucking shopping every day. <laughs> Take that shit from you. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I'm a fat prick. Look at that. I can do the truffle shuffle.